What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the biggest movie in the world right now, Spider-Man No Way Home. Here's a quick synopsis. After the events of Far From Home, Peter Parker goes to the Sorcerer Doctor Strange to come up with a spell to make the world forget he's Spider-Man. The spell goes terribly wrong, leaving Peter to deal with mysterious new foes from other realities. The film stars Tom Holland, Zendaya, Jacob Batalon, Marissa Tomei, Benedict Cumberbatch, Willem Dafoe, Alfred Molina, Jamie Foxx, Thomas Hayden Church, Reese Evans, and spoiler alert, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Till its release, this movie was the most highly anticipated film of 2021 and for me personally, it lived up to that hype and more. It broke my expectations. The standout performances come from Tom Holland, whose biggest strength playing Spider-Man is his ability to make you feel compassion for his character and he also has this deer-in-a-headlight-like quality when it comes to decision-making. He's not only only the youngest Spider-Man because of his look and age. It's how he plays the character. He's 25 years old, but he's perfectly playing a teen because he lives his life with so many extreme feelings, and I think Tom Holland plays the character as it was most meant to be. Zendaya is my favorite version of MJ. She is brilliant with the comedic moments in this movie and in the heartfelt moments. She's had a massive year with this movie and Dune, and now that Euphoria Season 2 is starting, Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange has quickly become my favorite character in the MCU. He keeps getting better and better as the character. He gives incredibly hilarious line readings, and he's really mastered the tone of the character. I'm really excited that later this year we are getting Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now let's talk about the thing that everybody wants to talk about, the return of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield as their versions of Spider-Man in this film to help Holland's version of Peter. First with Maguire, he was brilliant as the elder statesman of the free Spider-Man. He's a mentor to both Holland and Garfield Spider-Man at moments. He understands what they've gone through and he also knows how tough they are on themselves. It was unreal seeing the original Spider-Man back. Maguire is back on the big stage with not only this film, but later this year he's also appearing in Damien Chazelle's upcoming film Babylon with Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. Then with Andrew Garfield, his arc in this movie felt super cathartic. Unlike Maguire and Holland, he was not as beloved when he was playing the role of Spider-Man. His two films as Spider-Man were much maligned by many, and Garfield really gets redemption in this movie, and it was cool seeing him have fun playing the character. He just fits the tone of an MCU film. He also shared the best moment of the movie with Zendaya. It was touching. This is far and away the best year of Garfield's career. He gave one of the best performances of his career in Tick, Tick, Boom, and two great supporting performances in Spider-Man No Way Home in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Critically and box office wise, you cannot have a better year than Andrew Garfield had in 2021. Then finally, you have Willem Dafoe returning 
to play the Green Goblin after more than 20 years when he played the character in the original Spider-Man film. Willem Dafoe has become a better actor since that time, and you can see that in Spider-Man No Way Home. He's still incredible in the role. The two performances that I think are getting the most press, the most praise, are the ones given by Andrew Garfield and Willem Dafoe, because they're so surprising. No one expected Andrew Garfield, even though he's an incredible actor, to be this good in No Way Home, and nobody expected Willem Dafoe, the 66-year-old Green Goblin, to steal Spider-Man No Way Home. I think these two performances given by Garfield and Dafoe in this movie are the two biggest pleasant surprises of 2021, and it shows you can give great acting performances in blockbuster Marvel movies. Let's talk about the director of Spider-Man No Way Home, John Watts, who deserves a ton of credit for his work on this movie, and for all three Tom Holland-led Spider-Man films. All three of these movies have been funny, action-packed, and surprising, which I think is the best quality of all three, is the surprises. In Spider-Man Homecoming, the big reveal is Holland's Parker is dating the daughter of the villain, and that scene with Holland and Michael Keaton in the car is one for the ages. In Far From Home, the big surprise is the ending where Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio gives up Spider-Man's identity to the public. And while the other two Spider-Man being in No Way Home might not surprise you how well they are able to connect all three Spider-Man film franchises will. There's also the return of another beloved Marvel character in this movie that I won't reveal. Watts is set to direct the Fantastic Four. That is his next project for Marvel. If anyone can resurrect those characters and make them relevant again, it's going to be John Watts. It's going to be super interesting who he gets to play Doctor Doom, who he's going to get to play Mr. Fantastic and Miss Fantastic. Will he get the fan cast that everyone wants? John Krasinski and Emily Blunt? I don't think so, but I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. And he's also working on another film that I'm super excited for. He's going to direct a film starring Ocean's Eleven co-stars George Clooney and Brad Pitt. It will be their first time on screen together since Burn After Reading. So yeah, this guy is both the biggest director Marvel has going right now, and he's also making movies with Brad Pitt and George Clooney. I think John Watts is on the top of his game. What works about No Way Home in most Marvel films is they are able to be funny and make fun of their past movies while also being super dramatic at times. This Spider-Man movie has a huge advantage in that we all have history with these characters. He's my favorite superhero along with Batman and the X-Men, and we all have a history of watching all of these films over the last 22 years or so. It doesn't matter how well you remember the movies. A lot of the times, nostalgia in movies can feel forced, but that's not the case with this movie. And I do think most of the nostalgia of this film comes from the return of the Sam Raimi characters, because that's the one that we all grew up on. Those were the ones that were super popular. No offense to Andrew Garfield, Jamie Foxx, Reese Evans. Those characters are not iconic on our minds, but when the Green Goblin and Willem Dafoe show up, when Alfred Molina and Doc Ock show up, when Tobey Maguire shows up, we all have feelings about them because those movies were some of the earliest great superhero films. I don't think the Marvel Cinematic Universe would exist without those movies. And then you also get the return of J. Jonah Jameson. Yes, it's a different version of the character, but it's still J.K. Simmons. Like, those original Sam Raimi 
Spider-Man films give you all the nostalgia feels in Spider-Man No Way Home. You don't have those same feelings for Jamie Foxx as Electro. You don't have those same feelings for Reese Evans as Lizard. And Andrew Garfield makes you feel in this movie because he gives a great performance, but you don't have those feelings towards his Spider-Man. You have all those nostalgic feelings towards the Sam Raimi films. I just want to put it on record that I think it would have been cool to see Kirsten Dunst return as MJ. I'm not the biggest fan of Kirsten Dunst as MJ, but I would have liked to see her play the character. Emma Stone was not coming back, but Kirsten Dunst, she probably should have come back. It would have been a great cap-off year between her and Cumberbatch being in the power of the dog and in Spider-Man No Way Home, but alas, it was not meant to be. I also think it's worth pointing out that Sam Raimi is going to direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, sign me up for that immediately. I think the first two of his Spider-Man movies are perfection. I'll get into that in a minute. I didn't love his third one. I'll get into that in a minute. But I love Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. And I want to see him make a modern superhero film. Because this is the guy who put superhero films on the map. It seems as though everyone is talking about Spider-Man No Way Home's chances of being nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. It would be only the second Marvel film ever to get nominated. The first, of course, was the late great Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. And what I have to say about this is I understand both sides of the argument. The idea being that if a movie that so far has made over $1.4 billion is nominated at the Oscars, more people would watch the Academy Awards. The counter-argument is the whole point of the Oscars, I think, is to get people in interested in movies they otherwise might not pay attention to. No Way Home doesn't need more attention. It's the most talked about movie in a long time. We were obsessing over the trailers. It's the smaller films this year like Spencer and Come On, Come On that need to get Oscar buzz to grow their already small audiences. I wouldn't be mad if No Way Home gets nominated for Best Picture and I fully understand if it doesn't. It's also weird for me because it feels like Tom Holland wants his Spider-Man films to be validated. He made this comment to the Hollywood Reporter about how Martin Scorsese doesn't know what it's like to make a Marvel film. He wants his career to be taken seriously and I understand that feeling. He thinks if he gets nominated for an Oscar, we'll all take his Spider-Man movies seriously. What I would say to him, your Spider-Man films are beloved. They make a ton of money. You have a career mostly because of them. Isn't that enough? If you are happy making these films, shouldn't that be enough? If Tom Holland went on to win Best Actor for playing Spider-Man, what does that really mean to him? I get it. He wants the validation, but I'm here to say I don't think that validation matters at all. Everyone saw this movie. Everyone has loved this movie. Everyone loves Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And lack of awards isn't going to change that. And even if these movies won Oscars, directors like Martin Scorsese aren't going to feel any better about them. These directors are mad because the biggest movies driving the box office success is the superhero movie. That's not going to change. I think the superhero movie has at least 10 or 15 more years of pure dominance. Look at the movies that dominated this year's box office. Spider-Man No Way Home, Venom Let There Be Carnage. It doesn't matter if these are good movies, these are bad movies, The Eternals, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. It doesn't matter if these movies are good. Some of those films are really good. Some of them are not so good. They are going to continue to be the movies that make the most money because that's what the audience wants to see. After watching Spider-Man 
No Way Home, I felt compelled to rank all eight live-action Spider-Man films starring Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield. So let's go. Number eight, 2014's Amazing Spider-Man 2. After I watched this film, I started to doubt Garfield's future as the character. This is a movie studio letting down a great actor. The moments with Paul Giamatti's Rhino are ridiculous and I, as a kid, read the comic where the Green Goblin kills Gwen Stacy, and it's iconic. And in the movie, that moment fell flat. And one of my biggest issues with Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the movie is trying to build up to something. I get it. We all want to see the Sinister Six. We want to see the Green Goblin team up with a bunch of bad guys and fight Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man has to team up with some people. I get it. We all want to see the Sinister Six on screen. But that does not mean you get to make a bad movie to get you to that point. I actually don't mind Dane DeHaan's version of the Green Goblin. He's fine. It's the Rhino and Electro that really stifle that movie from being any good. Number 7 is 2007 Spider-Man 3. This movie suffers from having way too many villains with Venom, Sandman, Harry Osborn as the Goblin. The fact that none of them are great is the real problem. I don't care for any of those characters. I thought Topher Grace having frosted tips was really weird at the time. I still don't understand what they did with the Sandman in these movies. It doesn't work. It really didn't work in No Way Home and it didn't work back then in Spider-Man 3. And then Franco as the Goblin just didn't work at all. His motivations, let me remind you, this is a major villain in a superhero film, a big studio movie that everyone is anticipating and his big master plan is to break up the girlfriend of the superhero. That was the big plan. He didn't want to take over the world. He just wanted revenge and to break up a relationship. That's kind of stupid. Number 6, 2012's Amazing Spider-Man. This is the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie that I will defend. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone have insane chemistry. The Lizard was a solid villain. My favorite moment of this movie is at the very end when Peter Parker is late to class and his teacher calls him out on it and Peter Peter says it won't happen again and the teacher replies don't make promises you can't keep and Peter looks to Gwen and says but those are the best kind alluding to the promise that Peter made to her father to stay away from her I love that moment and I really think the amazing Spider-Man is a solid film number five 2019's Spider-Man Far From Home Jake Gyllenhaal is perfect as Mysterio and I really enjoyed Samuel L. Jackson in this movie as Nick Cage and the best moments in the film are the one between Tom Holland and Zendaya. This film was the perfect follow-up to Avengers Endgame. I feel bad that this movie is this low on the list because I actually do think this is the perfect superhero film. It's got everything I want in a Spider-Man movie. I also think this movie shows just how deeply these Marvel guys think about their movies. Think about this. Marvel went back to characters from Iron Man 1, brought them back in Far From Home and made them key elements in the movie. That's crazy bonkers that they were able to do that and make it so that that made sense. Number 4, 2004 Spider-Man 2, the sequel to Spider-Man, is a near-perfect film. It at one point has Peter giving up his life of crime fighting to 
be with MJ. It has Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. There was also a great moment where McGuire Spider-Man stops a train. I also think this movie has Kirsten Dunst's best performance as MJ. And while at the time of its release, I did not love the ending. I now have come to admire it. I really like the dynamic between Peter and Doc Ock and love the moment when he calls Peter brilliant but lazy. I think this is a lot of people's favorite Spider-Man movie and I understand why it's so New York. I mean, that's what the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films have going for it. They feel the most real New York. The Raimi Spider-Man New York is dark. It's gritty. There's a lot of crime. Like, it just feels like a darker place than the New York that Tom Holland lives in and the New York that Andrew Garfield lives in. Number 3, 2017 Spider-Man Homecoming. After seeing him in Captain America Civil War, everyone was anticipating a standalone Tom Holland Spider-Man film and what it would be. And no one could have imagined how good it was. Holland carried the film with charm while working with Robert Downey Jr., who I loved as the mentor, the Iron Man Spider-Man dynamic. I know some people really don't like it. I'm here for it. I also thought Michael Keaton making his return to comic book movies was fantastic. He crushed his role as the Vulture, not to mention the film also has Zendaya, Marissa Tomei as the perfect MJ and Aunt May respectively. And I keep going back to that moment in the car between Vulture and Spider-Man when they both realize their identities. They realize that they are enemies. I think that is one of the best Marvel scenes ever. I love that moment. Every time I see that movie, if that moment is on, I will stop what I am doing and I will watch it. Number two is 2002 Spider-Man, the original live-action Spider-Man film. This film still holds up today because director Sam Raimi got really good actors, which in today's world, we take advantage of how many great actors show up in Marvel movies. Like, now we're used to Tilda Swinton playing a small role in a Doctor Strange movie. Back then, that was not the case. I mean, Willem Dafoe showed up as the Green Goblin. That was also around the same time when Ian McClellan was playing Magneto. Like, we were just getting used to great actors showing up in comic book movies. I mean, Patrick Stewart played Professor X. Again, we all take this for granted now because, again, we see everyone and anyone show up in a Marvel movie. It doesn't matter the caliber of the actor. Annette Benning will take a small role in Captain Marvel. That was not the case back in 2002. It was a big deal that Willem Dafoe was going to play the Green Goblin. It was a big deal that Tobey Maguire wanted to play Spider-Man. I loved and still love Maguire Spider-Man. He's the ultimate heroic nerd and Willem Dafoe was the perfect adversary. This was the first superhero movie I ever saw and it got me hooked on the genre. It is a perfect origin story. It's the film that made Spider-Man a viable movie franchise. And my number one live action Spider-Man film is 2021's Spider-Man No Way Home. Maybe this is a case of me being a prisoner of the moment, but I came into this movie with so much anticipation and expectations and what they gave me far exceeded those expectations. To see these three great actors share the screen was unbelievable and what was more unbelievable was the chemistry that Garfield had with Holland and McGuire and vice versa. There was no weak link of the three. This movie was able to give the fans what they wanted and make it make sense with the plot, which is something a lot of movies like this don't do. There is a part of me, however, that wishes this was the last live-action Spider-Man movie ever, because I wonder how much further you can take the character of Peter Parker. Think about this. 
you have now had three iterations of the character meet on screen. You got all of their iconic villains. Who wants to see Venom against Spider-Man again? I know that this is what the movie is hinting to at the end. I don't know if I want to see that. We've seen all the Spider-Man villains we want to see on screen. I know Kraven is coming. I know they're going to continue to make Spider-Man movies. And I know that Tom Holland is probably going to continue to play the character of Spider-Man at least for two or three more films. I get it. But shouldn't Spider-Man No Way Home be the ending? It is the perfect ending to the Peter Parker saga. We get it. Everything that a Spider-Man movie is and should be happens in Spider-Man No Way Home. And that is why I could not recommend this movie anymore. I loved it and I highly recommend you check out the movie Spider-Man No Way Home. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So please rate, review, and subscribe.